Hello and welcome to the 84th roundup of the PPC chat Twitter discussion that happens on Tuesdays at 5pm GMT. I'm your host Anu. I'm the founder of MindSwan, a company through which I aim to share my ideas about paid search, especially automation, paid media and my passion for doing digital reporting well through a tool that is already on everybody's laptop. Yes, that's right. It's Microsoft Excel. So if you want a free consultancy about what I can do for you in regards to paid media, implementing Square or even cutting spend on your data analysis tool, just send me a message at hello at mindswan.com or get to me on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram with the handle MindSwanPPC. So in this episode, we have Julie Piccini invite um, Courtney Cox Wakefield to talk inclusivity. And this is regarding our target audience. Um, yeah, it isn't something that I've really had to include in strategy for PPC. But after this chat, I feel our experts gave some great tips on how to now have one ready, you know, for that kind of discussions, you know, to have like a good strategy on how to include people from all background and not just the mass. So like, you know, make sure you're not excluding anyone of any different like racial background, any sexual orientation and things like that. So yeah, it was a really great some at times heated conversation. So yeah, I hope I get the tone right with how well this um, discussion went. So yeah, we've got Courtney Cox um, asking us our first question and I go straight in because yeah, Julie, actually let's go do a little bit of introduction. Um, Julia says, um, Courtney Cox Wakefield is the director of digital experiences at Children's Health in Dallas, US, where they lead a team of experts in search, UX and digital strategy. They are also the host of For Folks Sake. So, well, she's the host, one one half of the host of the, of um, of uh, a podcast, which is For Folks Sake. So that's F O R F O L X S A K E, um, interviewing leaders who cultivate inclusive communities. Okay, and then going on to question one, Courtney goes straight in, um, saying, "What what inclusivity challenges have you encountered with your campaigns?" Um, John Kagan replies to the question saying the main problem is inclusivity is not cost efficient, especially as audience targets are layered. It essentially goes against the optimization strategy. Julie Piccini replies, awareness is a big one, but even if aware, PPC is largely predicted on being exclusive, trying to only reach those that meet the targeted criteria or buyer personas developed. And wouldn't want to say, Julie, that, you know, that is what advertisers pay us for. We're not trying to just advertise to everybody and anybody. We're trying to advertise to the people that have the higher conversion rates. And um, yeah, I guess that makes can make PPC a little bit prejudiced to some <laughs> to some people, no matter what in that is. And yeah, I guess PPC is just prejudiced to people who are not looking for your products. Um, so yeah, Courtney Cox replies, um, gives an answer to question one, saying, for me, the biggest challenge um, has been that often marginalized communities cannot be identified through their query. So we're not sure if the person who is engaging with our ad is queer or or. A POC, um, I'm not sure what POC stands for, or disabled. Um, and so, yeah, then he, she continues saying that that makes it quite difficult to adjust the language of our ads to include information that might be uniquely important to these audiences. Um, 
So <laughs> Steve Gibson replies, I have no idea what this question means. And um, yeah, Steve Gibson also gives some <laughs> other interesting answers. But yeah, Courtney actually replies to that saying, let me clarify. The question is meant to ask if there are any challenges you've encountered with engaging marginalized groups. So that's LGBTQ, people of color, the disabled, etc., in your paid search campaigns. Julia Vice replies to that. I have sort of had this challenge in the sense that when I bring up the fact that groups speak different to one another than to those outside the group my clients are often very surprised very much baby steps kind of process yeah and Courtney replied to that and groups are not homogeneous many older queer people cringe at the label queer as it is seen as a slur they often prefer lgbtq or some variation while younger queer people like the label queer and have taken it back. It's a tough balance to strike. Yeah, and um, Julia replies, absolutely. But at the same time, we have so many tools. I have very little challenge with turning an age demo on one message and turning it off another. Just a bit of effort makes all the difference. Yeah, and so, yeah, so um, Michael Fleming goes, can we define inclusivity, please? And I, I believe we just did that. And then we've got Amanda replying to question one saying, I work with beauty brands, a few that cater to people with diverse skin types. I try to be sensitive in my copy and keyword choice. I mostly look to the brands for guidance. And yeah, this is something, a point that I will make now that I didn't make earlier, that the fact that it's not necessarily the ads that um, exclude people, it's the products. For a long time, I would say that, you know, makeup brands didn't necessarily, you know, have offer a wide range of uh, makeup, uh, you know, colors that, or even tones, uh, you know, like makeup foundation tones that suited darker skins. Let's let's be honest about that. It's really, you know, nowadays that you do see products of a wider range because obviously we see some amazing like Hollywood stars like Lupita Nyong'o, Viola Davis, Regina King, who obviously they they need to be in front of the camera. They need to wear, you know, to be jazzed up as well for, you know, the red carpet and for interviews. So, you know, I feel more so with more of the, of this amazing women being at the forefront of mainstream um, you know, television and our TVs you know, makeup ranges and other kind of products have now widened their ranges for, you know, different types. So obviously when it was just, you know, a certain skin tone, I don't imagine many black women would have been the ones being advertised. I don't think, I don't imagine um, adverts would have been targeted many, you know, to the black people. So it does really start, I'd say, from the products. Um, Courtney Cox goes on question two saying, how do you communicate inclusivity in your PPC campaigns? Um, but first, Doug R. Thomas replies to question one, saying, one, copy imagery and targeting that is exclusive or outright offensive. Two, accessibility on site. Three, internal analysis discussions that dehumanize. John Kagan replies to question two, saying, honestly, I don't. I try and relate to the consumer that the message is specific to them. Um, Emma Franks replies to question one, saying, along with the strategic need for exclusivity to avoid inefficient spend, I think another problematic element is the project protections that ad platforms provide for sensitive categories and limitations on messaging that might have that might suggest having personal info about the user so yes there's always that you know there's we don't want to write the ad in a way to show that we know who the consumer exactly is so that you know protecting kind of against like data protection and all the gdpr rules um so yeah as i said i've not yet worked with the client where this is a priority for them um and yeah i am very definitely keen to learn how to prepare myself it does and maybe even how to start this conversation 
Michael Fleming replies to question one saying, I remember my first lesson with this years ago. I wrote a headline for women's jackets and that, that said something like, impress the men. And some people were offended. Ever since, I've always thought about all the ways my creative could be received. Emma Franks replies to question two saying, to be honest, the best we do is focusing on the challenges that our product or services is solving and how it benefits the user, regardless of status or identity. Really curious how others are approaching this, though. Um, and then we've got Courtney then answering question two saying, I think we've got to get to the basics. You've got to get the basics down first. Understand what language is seen as offensive and make sure your ads and websites don't use those words. Make sure your site is um, WCAG compliant, that's accessible. Then focus on sending inclusivity signals. She then continues, I think site links are a good place for these signals. You can include links that reference LGBTQ friendly and accessibility statements. So yeah, it's pretty much just shouting it out that, you know, you guys, um, that your company or your website especially is, um, you know, does cater for anybody of any kind of background or or race or sexual orientation or, you know, accessibility issues. Um, Julia Vice then replies to question two saying, I mostly do it with an ad copy as that's the main contact with the public. Then it's all about accessible and relevant landing pages. Julia Bicini replies to question two saying, trying to think about if something might be offensive is a good first step. Of course, having diverse points of view during the process can help with that too. As many of us have blind spots we don't even know we have. And then in reply to um, Emma Franks' answer where Emma had said, along with the strategic need for exclusivity to avoid inefficient spend, I think another problematic element is the protections that ad platforms provide for sensitive categories. And Julia replied to that saying, this is so right, Emma. I actually had a lot of challenges with a small campaign I did about HPV for the CDC because it's on a sensitive topic. Let me prevent, let me prevent cancer, Google. <laughs> yes, we're just trying to save lives here, Google why can't you just let us do that um michael fleming replies to question two saying being agency side i never assume i pass everything by the client and let them decide and i pretty much agreed with that one because i'm going to create the ads based on the brand and based on their landing pages and that's what i mean by you know inclusivity does start from how does the client you know it, it, sorry how does the client actually make their site and make their product inclusive of everyone and that's how we'll actually then reflect that in the ad copy um so yeah we've got then amanda replying to um judy Bicini, where julie had said trying to think about if something might be offensive is a good first step um, amanda replied this no matter how open and inclusive i think i am i haven't lived the experience of a poc or lgbtq individual so i really on my client i rely on my client contacts to make sure i'm sharing an inclusive message even that's a very good point courtney cox replies to um gives us question three saying how can you integrate inclusive signals into your ads without obscuring your mainstream message and this is where i find it is very um difficult um dogar thomas though replies to question two saying the best way i found is to take the lead from the client one example was that we focused on the person first language with disability law clients in part based on our client's preference with their clients um and then yeah we've got um yeah emma franks replying to julie Bicini as well julie said trying to think about if something might be offensive is a good first step emma francis i think this is such an important point inclusivity really does start with self-awareness and understanding on our parts as advertisers if even swapping one or two words in copy makes a difference we should be able to 
um, recognize that and I admit that I sometimes don't. Well, yeah, knowing that there's a problem is the first step to actually making a change. So I think that's great. Um, Courtney Cox replies, to question three, saying I referenced this a little in my question two answers, but site links are a great place to insert these kind of signals without diluting the main benefits of your products or service in the main ad copy. And then, yeah, we've got Mark Bissoni replying to question two, saying, can you elaborate adding something like all minorities welcome on our website so your ad copy wouldn't really make sense? So I think, yeah, it really is about, again, what's on the website. Um, so yeah, we've got um, Dogra Thomas replying to question three saying this is a challenging question because I feel your core message shouldn't be non-inclusive unless you're actively a non-inclusive brand, but that's over the pay grade of a lot of us. And then we've got Steve Gibson replying to question three saying, unless my business was particularly aimed at the LGBTQ or SJW market, I wouldn't. We have limited ad real estate. Why make our ads about a small minority of our prospect base? Um, And then then, um, Courtney Cox replies, dollars is why if you can signal to a marginalized group that you care about them without alienating your mainstream audience, why not? Um, Steve Gibson replies, if you have limited space, whatever you're saying is at the expense of saying something else. Um, And so, yeah, and Julia replies, well, it's not like we only run one ad at a time. Test out different messages. You might be surprised which one wins. And yes, that's always a key thing to do. Testing always gives a a big surprise. Um, And then, yeah, Courtney gives some very interesting answers saying, for example, if you have ads that reference a husband and wife buying a house together, you could easily change that to family or couple. It doesn't alienate your mainstream audience, but it shows inclusivity. I see these subtly exclusive ads all the time. Um, And then, yeah, we've got... um, yeah, and, and then Julia replies, sounds like you're already on the right track, listening to your audience and speaking to their needs. Um, Steve Gibson replies, I wouldn't think of saying husband and wife because a large percentage of people who buy houses together aren't husband and wife. But if 90% of them were husband and wife, maybe I would test it. So yes, there's some um, talking about just doing what he feels his customers need. Um, and then, yeah, we've got, um, yeah, Julia Rice gets in here saying, Steve, no one asked anyone to virtue signal or compromise sales. This is an important discussion, um, but no one is pressuring you to do or say anything you're uncomfortable with. Our host is here to help us. and We appreciate it. Steve Gibson replies, I'm not uncomfortable. We're being asked questions and I'm giving answers. I write ads designed to maximize sales. And if that's the goal, doesn't make sense to give up a chunk of your ad to to particularly appeal to a small percentage of the population. Um, and then, yeah, Julie Vecini replies saying, oh, Steve, it's been a while since we've had your unique bluntness in our chats. The point of this and why I asked Courtney to do this chat is that this is a topic worth considering. Will it become your or our primary driver? No, but these are discussions worth having. And that's all I'll end reading that thread. Uh, but yeah, I guess I think we've got the message where we've just got to think about testing and testing different messages because you never know what that will bring um, as an extra source of income or revenue for your clients. Um, and then we've got, um, yeah, I think Dogar Thomas Ray continues his answers to question three, saying one place where I feel I've been challenged is the plastic surgery space. I often felt very disgusted by how we were being asked to market and maybe should have spoken up a lot more. Um, Julia Weissred says, oh yeah, beauty standards do not favor certain features and there's a whole way that communicates um, communities discuss certain procedures, nose jobs, for example. 
Um, and then, yeah, we've got um, Julia Vice replying to question three saying um, it's a bit dependent on what the main message is. But overall, we have a lot of copy and image space to work with. Um, Bevel does an outstanding job at this. And it's all about a simple purchase of a grooming set, harmonized message versus trying to jam a signal in. Um, Amanda replies to question three saying, in my case, beauty brands don't just include people, celebrate their beauty. And in reply to... Um, Courtney's answer to question three, where Courtney had said, I referenced this a little in my question two, but site links are a great place to insert these kinds of signals without diluting the main benefits of your product or service in the main ad copy. Julie replies, could you give an example or two of the how this could be done? Courtney replies, sure. One example would be to have a page on your site that talks about your LGBTQ inclusive company policies, non-discrimination, etc. And add that link as a site link extension labeled LGBTQ friendly so there's there's an example for you guys um and then yeah julie bricini replies to question three saying even if not in ads as much your story from your presentation about the ticket purchase in form of the venue that had more choices than just mr mrs or miss in their form is a good example and then julie bricini reposes a question saying is there a resource you're aware of for more inclusive language choices somewhere even just sharing it with clients could help open some eyes and conversation and Courtney Cox replies, ConsciousStyleGuide.com is an excellent resource. And yes, Julie and I will be including that in the recap. Um, and then going up to question four, Courtney asks, what can you do when a user's marginalized identity isn't revealed in their query? And in answer to that, yeah, Julia Vice replies, not much. I mean, no one needs to disclose their whole life just to buy a burger or fill a form. I'd say if you're really concerned, look at your demographic and location info, knowing it's imperfect and won't always give you the whole story. Before we move on to answers, Emma Franks gives a very good point saying a theme I'm seeing emerge already is that a lot of the exclusivity in our copy is likely unintentional and often comes from places of privilege we weren't even aware of. Sounds like it's helpful to review all copy proposals from from several different perspectives as a check. And yes, that is really definitely what I think where we've seen all those ads of um, the likes of Burberry and H&M that have been very discriminatory, um, well, against black people you know, from the examples I've gave, I've given. And it's really, I just feel how many people actually did, did check who did the proof checks, you know, how many people looked at that and, you know, was there like, someone from that racial background that looked at it and went, okay, not okay. There really should be someone um, that represents the person that your your message that you're actually putting out there. And Michael Fleming replies, absolutely. I live in Ohio, but just came back from New York City over the weekend. We can forget how different places and audiences are by locations because we're typically in one spot. And in reply to question four, we've got Courtney Cox saying, this is a really tough one. I don't know that I have a great answer for it. It's something that we continually struggle with. Sometimes geotargeting can help support. And if we have an email list that we can segment off of, that's a good start too. Um, and then, yeah, we've got Amanda replying to question four saying, hard to explain in a tweet, but I'll try. I have the, um, I take the all visitors list and plug that into Google's audience insights tool to see what um, other audiences overlap with my regular visitors. Next, create a campaign with general keywords and target those audiences. Um, John Kagan replies to question three saying, going off micro conversions and building a similar audience rather than demo allows me to be more inclusive, but also focuses on the primary group. 
Um, and then, yeah, we've got John Kagan replying to question four saying, I do, I go as generic as possible in the messaging and see if they fall into a bucket further down the funnel. And then Courtney goes on to question five saying, how do you integrate targeting into your PPC campaigns to promote inclusivity? And before we go into that, Emma also, um, Emma Franks also asked a question saying, question for the group while we're having this important conversation, how can we be inclusive while also respecting privacy, being sensitive to folks who don't want to have their marginalized status recognized or catered to the pu- catered to publicly that's a difficult balance for me and yeah Jadivas replies preach when my client was a health insurer my copy was all about questions not having the answers you don't have to tell me the things it's my job to tell you what I can offer you Emma Franks replies yes that's worked for me in the health vertical too and search is easier to work with Given the keyword intent, I'm always surprised though when generic copy outperforms personalized copy and I'm curious how much is people uncomfortable with Google knowing them so well. Yeah, and Julia Vice replies, I think that's, that's a bit part of it. I'm not clicking this result, no big deal, not that specific one down there. And then we've got Steve, um, sorry, Michael Fleming replied to question five saying, if appropriate, maybe you segment by location and think about customizing creative that way. Um, and just to go on again to what question five is, um, Courtney had asked, how do you integrate targeting into your PPC campaigns to promote inclusivity? And then, yeah, Courtney Cox answers that saying search personality of the year, Pruna Virgi, has a great talk where she introduces the idea of broadience. I think it applies here. Here's the deck from Search Love that explains it. And I'll make sure to share um, yeah, that's slides, those slides with everybody. Um, and then, yeah, we've got, um, yeah, Courtney going on to question six saying, how have you convinced leaders or clients to invest in inclusive PPC campaigns? In answer to that, Courtney um, gives her answer saying, luckily I'm in a position where I didn't, I don't have to do much convincing because I'm in-house and there's general consensus that inclusivity is important. But for those of you who have clients or leadership not actively pursuing inclusivity, how do you handle it? Um, And then, yeah, Michael Fleming replies to question six saying, honestly, I don't think I've ever had this conversation before with anyone, but I'm glad it was it was brought up as it's definitely valuable. Um, and then, yeah, we've got um, Courtney going straight into question seven, saying why inclusive campaigns important to you. Um, before we get to that, Emma Franks replies to question six, saying, fortunately, I specialize in social, so it's easier to incorporate representation in imagery versus trying to explicitly call out marginalized groups in copy but from an agency standpoint i could do more work to spark conversations about inclusivity with in-house client teams and then yeah we've got um julia vice replying to question seven saying that um generally because everyone matters and i'll take a sale from anywhere personally because my loved ones aren't second to anyone in this world big sister energy um, Courtney Cox there replies to question seven saying, personally, I've just seen so many ads that carelessly, carelessly excluded me. For example, breast pump copy that only talks about husband and wife. Well, my breast pumping wife doesn't have a husband. And so my breast pumping women aren't married. And so many breast pumping women aren't married to their partner. And she continues, it would be easy in this case to change husband to partner. It will solve inclusivity without alienating any straight married 
breast pumpers. And then we've got um, Emma Franks replying to question seven, saying, to be honest, I've never thought about conscious inclusivity in marketing before today, despite being part of and connected to marginalized groups myself. I do, however, know personally how damaging exclusive marketing can be and what to avoid and um, and wanted to avoid them at all costs. To me, the bigger risk is trying to make a statement in favour of inclusivity when you're not fully committed. Like the hallmark debacle this week, I like Courtney's suggestions of making inclusivity statements visible, but they have to actual, actually exist first. So yes, you need to actually make sure that it exists on the website. Courtney Cox replies, then gives us question 18. How do you identify which messages resonate with marginalised parts of your audience and um yeah it's a matter of testing really for me um amanda replies inclusive campaigns are important to me because i want the world to be a place where i want to live in so that's in reply to seven unfortunately i have been asked to advertise things i can't get behind sketchy computer helps skin bleaching creams and i'm willing to say no um courtney cox replies to question eight saying it seems like an oversimplified answer but i think the best thing to do is ask them these people are already your customers get to know them and how their identities might lend themselves to unique needs from your products and services so question six john kagan replies i promote them to be inclusive providing everyone meets preset criteria this just keeps getting more and more awkward and then we have Dogar Thomas replying to um, question seven, saying the biggest reason to me is that there's gold in them hills and limiting your effectiveness or starting customer relationships on a rocky foot or being an outright ass will kill your conversation conversions and you'll never know why. I've also got to sleep at night. And he continues, I don't know. I think a lot about this article talking about the coding in Subaru ads and its effectiveness across cohorts. Yeah, and then John Kagan replies to question seven, saying it helps to still target a less identifiable group. Um, but how do you target them and how do you target them really well, to be honest? John then replies to question eight, saying simplistically, I look at CTR or site engagement by ads of those that meet minimum tra traffic thresholds. Um, and then, yeah, Courtney gives our last question of the day saying, should we customize our ad copy for marginalized groups? If so, how can paid search platforms make that easier? Um, and then, yeah, we've got um, Emma Franks actually, yeah, like one of the final comments between, um, yeah, Steve Gibson and Julia Vice and Cornel Cox about, you know, targeting marginalized groups and Steve going, you know, my clients pay me to sell their stuff. I sell it, happy to sell it to, it to any gender, race, religion, sexual orientation, but they don't pay me to virtual virtue signal at the expense of sales. So basically he uses it when needed. He doesn't use it when it's not needed. And Emma Franks replies saying the takeaway I've gotten from today's discussion is that inclusivity isn't necessarily about calling out a marginalized group so much as checking that we aren't unconsciously alienating them. And I think that aligns with the desire to maximize sales of revenues for clients. And yeah, that is a very nice um, short way of putting it. And then, yeah, we reply to question eight. Amanda goes, CTR is usually a good indicator if the ads are resonating with the audience. However, it can go the opposite if you're getting what I call WTF is this clicks. So, yes, it's all about CTR. And Courtney continues, generally, CTR would mean it resonates with your average audience. But what if you're alienating the marginalized folks in your audience and your CTR could be higher if you made a small change? So, yeah, make a small change. You could even get a better CTR if you're more inclusive. 
Um, and then, yeah, Julia Vice replies to question nine saying, I think we should have the option too, but as with all things PPC, we deploy it when appropriate. I'd love to promote Naxalone education without being dinged, dinged for promoting illicit drugs. As one example, Google, you can tell which is which. Emma Franks replies, I was only on call, um, I say only call it out or customize it if it makes sense. As Steve Gibson's pointed out with a wedding cake example, I would personally be uncomfortable having ads targeting my race, sex, religion, sexuality when I reached, when searching for a product or service where it is entirely um, irrelevant. Um, and yeah, I guess that's most of the answers. Um, I'll finish off with um, Dogar Thomas replying to um, question nine saying, if there's a good reason to sure, if not, there's a deep value in keeping in mind every user so you ensure they see themselves as a potential customer of your campaign. For me, the biggest thing is test, test different types, test um, the ads that specifically are inclusive, maybe also test against the ones that are not particularly that inclusive. Yes, it's all about getting the biggest sales and that's what, you know, draws us closer to actually meeting our targets, even, even if it might be unfortunately excluding some people in certain kind of in certain kind of languages. So um yeah, Julie goes um she'll be hosting next week reflections on PPC in 2019. I'll try to get that one to you guys as soon as possible. because yes, next week will be literally Christmas Eve um this time. So yeah, and I'll be in the US spending time with family. So I don't know how much of recording I'll be able to do. So that might actually get to you next year. And yeah, it might be a good way to you know start the first um listen to the first podcast to be about reflections of 2019 so look out for that it might come a little bit later than usual but yes you will get a podcast episode about that so i hope you've had um you've enjoyed this chat i hope you found it like quite enlightening in terms of inclusivity i think with ppc we're a little bit backwards for that as we find it difficult um i think we're finding newer ways of see, doing inclusivity whether it comes to like tv ads display ads or anything with images you know because you're showing the customer something that's very visible and that makes them see whether they're included and whether they're the target market or not whether you're talking to them or not with when it's just text um, language I feel it can be quite difficult what do you think do you have you found a way of getting around that have you found those tips given useful are you going to start having that conversation with your customers or your clients as to how you can be they can be more inclusive um in their ad copy, in their landing pages, even in the products that they're servicing and their customers, let us know. I'd love to hear all about it. So yeah, I hope you found this talk useful and taking great takeaways. And if you want to chat about it or any paid media or data analysis solutions, do get in touch with me by sending me an email at hello at mindswan.com. And remember, for your campaigns or businesses to glide smoothly, there's a lot of hard work needed beneath the surface. So keep your swans kicking. Bye.